Apostolic Church in this end time are going to be young people, young men and young ladies who love God. Hallelujah. Who are highly committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that you as young people are the church of the future. Some people say you're the church of the future. I'm telling you, you're a very definite and, and powerful part of the church right now. You're not just a church part of the church of the future. You're a great part of the church right now. I believe it's time for every young person to get busy for God and go to work. Lift up his name. Do something in your church for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. And um, it's, it's not, we're not called to be average. We really are not. If you're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, love God, understand who Jesus is, and you're living a Christian life, you're not called to be average. Somebody wrote, I don't know who it was, and said average is the, what the failures claim to be when their family and friends ask them why they're not successful. Average is the top of the bottom, the best of the worst, the bottom of the top, and the worst of the best. Which one of these are you? Average means run-of-the-mill, mediocre, insignificant, and also ran, a non-enmity. Being average is the lazy person's cop-out. It's lacking the guts to take a stand in life. It's living by default. Being average is to take up space for no purpose. To take the trip through life but never to pay the fare. To return no interest on God's investment in you. Being average is to pass one's life away with time rather than to pass one's time away with life. It's to kill time rather than work it to death. To be average is to be forgotten once you leave this life. The successful are remembered for their contribution. The failures are remembered because they tried, but the average, the silent majority, is just simply forgotten. To be average is to commit the greatest crime that you can commit against yourself, against humanity, and against God. The saddest epitaph that could ever be written is, here lies Mr. and Mrs. Average. Here lies the remains of what might have been except for their belief that they were only average. I'm talking to some young people tonight that are not just average. You're not the run of the mill. You're the cream of the crop, and God's got his power upon you. Why don't you lift your hands and pray with me right now? Let's all pray in the name of the Lord. There's potential in this house tonight. There's a fantastic spiritual potential in this house tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many will pray with me one more time and say, God, I want to reach my fullest spiritual potential. I want to do everything that God wants me to do. I want to do everything he's called me to do, everything he's ordained me to do. Let's pray one more time. Oh, God, my life is in your hands. Come on, pray with me. Lord, here I am. Take me and use me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's turn to Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. Thank you, Brother Calhoun, for leading a good service. Great man of God. I have a lot of respect for Brother Calhoun. He's preaching our church. He's a wonderful, wonderful man of God. I love and appreciate this good man and all of you. God bless you. Luke 5 and verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. 
saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Simon was just talking and giving all of the excuses. And all at once he realizes who he's talking to. And he says, he stops and he says, but, but nevertheless. I'm glad he put that in there. He's given all the reasons he can't do it. But nevertheless, at your word. Verse 6, when they had this done, they enclosed great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned the partners which were in the other ships that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. I've read the first ten verses of Luke 5. And uh, if I would have a text or a thought to leave with you, it would be from verse number 10. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. One version says, where he said from henceforth, it says from here forward. Another version says from here on. So with that in mind tonight, I'm going to take a text in the form of a question. What will you do with your from here on? What will you do with your from here on? We've all got one. What are you going to do with it? Brother Calhoun, would you pray? Jesus, I pray that you would anoint your messenger tonight as he preaches your word. Anoint our hearts to receive. And I pray, God, you would challenge us tonight to be something better for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody said amen. You may be seated and God bless you tonight. What will you do with your from here on? Every one of us in this building tonight has a from here on. Uh, For some of us, it could be short. For some of us, it could be longer. We all have in common that we have a from here on. Simon Peter, what Jesus is saying, don't worry about the past. Don't worry about from here back. Don't get hung up on from here back. But begin to set your vision and your desire from here on. Jesus said, from henceforth, or from here on, you will catch men. From here back is over. Close the book. Close the chapter. You can't do anything about yesterday or last week or last month. I've talked to young people and people of all different ages that have uh, said they couldn't do anything for God because of their past. They let their past hinder their future. But I'm here tonight to just give you a little simple message that your past is unalterable. Your past is unchangeable. There's not one thing you can do about your past. But Peter... 
I want you to quit looking at the past. I want you to quit thinking about the past. I want you to quit pondering over the past. I want you to stop lamenting the past. And I want you to look at what you can do and what you can be from here on. That's the challenge that God's given to this church tonight. What will we do with our from here on? So I'd like to ask that in the form of a pointed question personally to every young person specifically in this building tonight. What will you do with from this moment on, on this Friday night at 8.20 p.m. Central Standard Time? What are you going to do with your life from this moment forward? What are you going to do with tonight? What are you going to do with tomorrow? What are you going to do with next week? What are you going to do with the new year? What are you going to do with your life? Amen. Would you like for your life to count for God? Would you like for your life to uh, be a blessing to others? Would you like for your life to know the joys of full commitment and surrender to Jesus Christ? So the question is, not what have you done in your past, but it's what will you do with your future? Now, there's some types of people that I believe that, uh, that limit their from here on. You know, we can put boundaries and we can put limits on our from here on. Number one, if you have had a successful past, that can become a hindrance to your from here on. Amen. There are some people that very young in life, they know a successful thing to a certain degree. They're successful in a certain area. And uh, maybe you're here tonight and you have seen more than you thought you'd ever see. And maybe you've already been more than you thought you'd ever be. And you've already done more than you thought you would ever do. You've been amazed at, at, at God's goodness. And you, uh, you, you've been amazed at maybe how God has used you to this point. Perhaps I'm talking to a young person tonight that you're a preacher or you're a singer or you sing in the choir or you play music and you, you've already accomplished something for God. But let me tell you that you can get stuck in the present and not accept the challenge of the future and never realize your fullest spiritual potential to the glory of God. Hallelujah. I'm a big believer tonight that all of us have potential, latent potential, but it's there. Every person in this house has talents. Every person in this house has abilities. There are things that you can do that no one else can do. And God is not expecting you to do what somebody else is doing. God is only expecting you to do what you can do. God does not measure us by what others are doing. You may say, well, there's a young man or young lady in our youth group, and they do more than I can do, and they have so much more talent, so much more ability, and they're, they're, they're capable of so much more than I am, and so I just won't do anything. I'm telling you that this is no time to sit back and not do anything because I cannot do what somebody else can do. Hallelujah. If I can't sing, bless God, I can clap my hands. If I can't play music, I can pat my feet. If I can't preach, I can say praise the Lord, amen to those that are preaching. 
You know what I'm saying tonight? Everybody in this building has something that God has designed and earmarked for you to do. And you'll never be happy until you're doing God's will. Clap your hands with me. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You know... If you've already done some things, you've already felt good about your accomplishments, that can become a limitation to your future. We need to give all we have to from here on. It doesn't matter if you've been greatly used of God already. You haven't scratched the surface yet to the will of God for your life. Amen. You may sing lead in the choir, and some did tonight, and they did it so capably. But I'm telling you that I wouldn't stop there and say, you know what? I sung at the youth convention in Fort Worth, and so now it's it's like it's all over. I've accomplished. I've arrived. But I'm telling you that tonight God wants to put a challenge deep in the heart of every young man and young lady that says, I may have already sung my song. But I've got another song to sing. I may have given my testimony, but I've got another testimony to give. I may have already preached my first sermon, but praise God by his help, I haven't preached my last sermon. There's still something for me to do, and I want to be involved. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. It'd be great if everybody could play music and sing like Sister Aretha Jones. Boy, I'm telling you, that'd be something, wouldn't it? That would be amazing. But I'm going to tell you, and in, in, in I've been to quite a few churches, you don't find very many Sister Jones when it comes to how well she can sing and play music, lead a choir. But you know what? It's no time for any young person or any young lady to sit back and say, well, I can't be like Sister Jones, so I won't do anything. Amen. I've come to, to give you a challenge tonight. I've come to say you can do everything that God wants you to do. Praise God, praise God. I think it's time for the apostolic church to rise up in the power of the Spirit and the energy of the Holy Ghost and say, bless God, I'm going to sing, I'm going to testify, I'm going to shout, I'm going to worship, I'm going to clap my hands, I'm going to stomp my feet, I'm going to run the aisles, I'm going to talk in tongues, I'm going to do God's will, I'm not going to stop, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to back down, I'm not going to let up, I'm not going to shut up, but I'm going to stand up and do God's will somebody clap your hands with me and praise the Lord amen you may be seated the Bible said in Amos 6 and verse 1 woe to them that are at ease in Zion now he didn't say brother Johnson woe to them that are in in ease on your way to Zion he didn't say that He didn't say, woe to them that are at ease on your way to Zion. He said, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Amen. Once we repent, a lot of people, when they repent, they get baptized in Jesus' name. They get the Holy Ghost. They're born of water and spirit. They become part of the kingdom of God. They sit down and fold their little hands and act like they've arrived. And that's it. I have nothing else to do. Let me tell you. Amen. That, that is not the finish line. That's only the starting point. That's your birth certificate. Hallelujah. I said when you get born again of water and spirit, that's not your graduation diploma. That's your birth certificate. 
And it's time for everybody to come into church and say, Pastor, what can I do? I want to do something for God. I want to do something for his name. I want to have revival. I don't want to just see a revival. I want to experience revival. I want to have a revival. I want to be a revival. Somebody shout hallelujah. Maybe see the brother sound man, don't turn them up out here, but turn me up just a little up here in my monitors, and I'd appreciate that so very much. Now, some of us have struggled and we've won, but you got to be careful about becoming at ease in Zion. Maybe you've really struggled, you've really gone through a real struggling time in your life, and you finally uh, cleared your way out on the other side of the struggle. It's very easy at that point to sit down and take it easy. That can happen to preachers, that can happen to saints. I've seen preachers build a pretty good church, and once they had a pretty good church, they sat down and and acted as though they had it made. I'm going to tell you, brother pastor, there's no such thing as having it made in the ministry. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As long as you're able to pastor, get in that pulpit and preach the word of God. Be faithful to the word of God. Be instant in season and out of season. And reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Praise God. The gospel has got to be preached. Hallelujah. And if I've got a pretty fair little church, that's all right. But brother, there's another soul to be won. There's another soul to reach. There's another message to preach. There's another song to sing. There's another shout to give. Anybody want to shout amen with me? Hallelujah. 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 You know, the first time you ever see the Rocky Mountains, boy, they're beautiful. Brother Johnson knows what it's like. The first time you ever see the Rocky Mountains, you enjoyed them for what they are. The first time you ever saw it. But the next time you saw them, you enjoyed them for what you are. It's the way you look at it. The first time you enjoyed it because of what they are. But after that, you enjoy it because of what you are. When I first got the Holy Ghost, I enjoyed it because it was the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. But I'm going to tell you that no one but no one is ever called of God just to get set down in a church and become complacent, contented, and self-satisfied. Praise God. I remember as a home missionary, Brother Enzi, the first church we ever started when we had uh, just two or three and then four and then five. And then I put up signs, 25, and we reached 25. And then I put a sign up, 50, and we reached 50. And then I put a sign up, Brother Calhoun, 75, and we reached 75. And then 100, amen. I had one gentleman to come to me and said, when are you going to stop pushing us? When are you going to stop pushing us to go to the prayer room? When are you going to stop pushing us to pray more? When are you going to stop pushing us to win souls? I said, brother, that day will never come. Hallelujah. This is no time to slack off. I quit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As long as there's one lost young person in your city. As long as there's one lost young person in your school. As long as there's one lost young person in your neighborhood. It's time to do your best and be your best and give your best. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
He said, why don't you just quit pushing us? I said, I'm not going to quit pushing. I'm going to keep promoting revival. I'm going to keep pushing soul winning. I'm going to keep pushing prayer and fasting and worship. And he said, I don't like that. He said, I like the church when it had 30 and 40 people and we were just comfortable and we knew everybody by name. And brother's church got over 100. He said, there's even people coming here. I don't even know their name. I said, well, in God's dear name, get out there and shake hands with them and get acquainted with them. But he's going to stand in the way of revival. I never prayed anything. I've never prayed for anybody to get sick or die. But in three months he was dead and the church went on. Let me tell you, it's not time to stand in the way of revival. It's not time to stand in the path of revival. It's time for every child of God to unleash your faith. Hallelujah. And say, I am going to be everything that God wants me to be. Somebody shout hallelujah. I still want my from here on to be exciting. Glory to God. I want my from here on to be more exciting than from my here past. I want my from here on to be more exciting than from here back. I don't want to always walk with a, with an eye toward looking back. Praise God. This church needs a single eye. This Paul said, and they read it today, this one thing I do. He didn't say these ten things I dabble in. He said, this one thing I do. Hallelujah. I'm forgetting those things behind, and I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul said, not that I've already attained. I haven't reached it yet. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm homeward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Hallelujah. Anybody feel it tonight? Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I've found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Woo! If you've already shouted, why don't you shout some more? If you've already leaped for joy, why don't you leap again? If you've already danced in the spirit, why don't you dance again? From here on, it's going to be better. It's going to be greater. Come on, Simon. You're here on. It's going to be better. Hallelujah. 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 This is God's business. And I must not rest or relax. I pastor a few people. By the time they get in their 40s, all they want to talk about is retiring. And I about almost got them quick to saying that. Boy, I can't hardly wait till I get 62 or 65 to retire so I can settle back and do nothing. That's the worst place you can ever be. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I'm like the old preacher. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight the devil as long as he's got a fist. I'm going to bite him as long as he's got teeth. Then I'll come him till I die. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, it's time to, it's time to stand up and do something for Jesus Christ. God hasn't called anybody to be inactive. There's no inactive membership in this church. (laughs) 
All God's got is an active membership. I know we get older. I know we can't do as much. I understand all of that. But praise God, if you can raise your hand, do it. I was in a church here a while back, and there was a man in a wheelchair, Brother Townley, and folks got to run the aisles. He couldn't step on his feet. He couldn't walk. But he got that, he got that wheelchair, and around he went. I mean, he made two or three circles around the church. Praise God. If you can't run, then get your wheelchair. But do something for God. Do something for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Step out into the arena of action and activity and say, by God's help and by God's power and by God's grace, I'm going to do what I can do. Hallelujah. There are more goals to reach, Pastor. There are more battles to win, soldier. There are more books to write, Arthur. There are more scenes to paint, artist. There are more miracles to happen, Elisha. <laughs> Glory to God. There's more churches to start, Paul. There's more victories to win, Joshua. There's more buildings to build, Builder. There's more revivals to preach, Jonah. There's more fire to fall, Elijah. Get back in the arena. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel like shouting tonight. Our past has been great. Thank God for our past. Thank God for our heritage. Thank God for every truth we have. We don't have one truth we need to shed or get rid of. We don't have one truth we need to drop off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some people say, you may be seated. Some people say, if we're going to reach this generation, we need to quit preaching this and quit preaching that. I'm going to tell you, there's some truth that's made this church great. We don't have one truth. We need to stop preaching and teaching and loving and living. Hallelujah. The truth of Jesus' name baptism needs to be preached more than ever before. The truth of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. The truth of the mighty God in Christ. The truth of separation from the world. Praise God. It needs to be shouted from the housetop. It needs to be preached. Somebody ought to shout it. Somebody ought to declare it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our future it's better from here on than it's been in the past. We're not going to become a has-been church. We're not going to become a used-to-be church. We're not going to let it be said of us. They used to preach baptism for the remission of sins, but they don't preach it anymore. They used to preach the Holy Ghost as the birth of the Spirit, but now it's just a little shallow light experience. They used to preach certain things, but they've stopped preaching it. Let me tell you, every truth that's made this church what it is has got to be preached. Hear me. It's got to be preached. You may be seated. Now, so if you've done well in the past, that can actually slow you down from doing the will of God in your from here on. There's a second group that I want to talk about that has a limitation on their forward progress and their limitations on the future. And that's those that have a failing past. Now, I've talked to you about those that had a great past. There can be the danger of, of getting to feel cocky. 
and a proud and a being arrogant. There's the danger of saying I've already arrived. There's the danger of that. But then on the other hand, the second group I want to talk about that limits their future is those that have a failing past. They say in great lamentation, there's no hope for me. They say I've wrecked my life. They say, I've ruined my life. They say, I've made a major mistake. They say, God can't use me anymore. I'm not here to glorify sin. I'm here to preach against sin. But I am here to tell you tonight that we've got a wonderful God that's got a heart full of mercy. Oh, I'm so glad God's got mercy. I'm so glad for the grace of God. Amen. I preached in a meeting one time and the lady told me, said, you conservative Pentecostals. That's what she called us. She said, y'all don't know anything about the grace of God. I said, ma'am, we done forgot more about the grace of God than you'll ever know about it. Praise God. But we don't need a cheap grace. We don't need a watered down grace. But I want to tell you how good my God is. He'll forgive your sin. He'll forgive your past. He'll forgive your mistakes. And some young people have made a mistake and they want to sit down and fold their hands and say, God can't use me. And I'm here to tell you, you may have failed in the past, but praise God, you've got a great from here on. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may, you, you may be seated, you may have messed up. And I'm not here to glorify that. But God can use you in the future. You may have made a mistake. And the pastor may have even had to use certain church discipline. You may have had to sit down from the choir or from some position in the church. And you ought to take that like a real a lady or gentleman. And it, it, when my pastor disciplined me, I was growing up, I accepted that. Praise God. If you can't receive correction, you're a bastard and not a son. All right, somebody want to say amen? That's what Paul said in Hebrews. If we can't receive discipline, our correction, then we're not really children of God. Every child of God that's truly a child of God, he corrects them at times. He disciplines them at times. And when God disciplines me, I don't want to sit in the corner and feel sorry for myself and suck my thumb. Hallelujah to have a pity party. I want to say thank you, preacher. Thank you, man of God, for loving me enough and caring for me enough to discipline me. And I'll come out of this a better person, a stronger person. And I will be used of God from here on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's not one person in this building that God cannot use in some capacity. You may never stand in the pulpit to preach, but there's a, there's a place of service and servitude for you in the kingdom of God. And you say, but Brother Godad, there's things that I've done that may keep me from being used of God. When you fall on the altar, you fall on the mercy of God. You fall on the goodness of God. And you pray from your heart and repent from your heart.
Brother, let me tell you, there's a God that's got a whole lot more mercy than you and I even realize tonight. He's a merciful God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever messed up? How many has ever said something you shouldn't have said? How many has ever done something you shouldn't have done? How many has ever showed a spirit that you look back and say, I shouldn't have done that? I shouldn't have had that attitude. All of us fit in there somewhere. But what I'm trying to tell you tonight, where there's an altar, where there's a place of prayer, where there's a place of repentance then God will pick us up where we are and say, I can still use you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You say, I can't be a preacher. How about driving a bus? How about being a bus captain? How about knocking on doors? How about teaching a Sunday school class? How about going to a jail? How about going to a prison? How about going to a rest home? How about teaching a home Bible study? Anybody listening tonight? How about passing out a church card? How about inviting somebody to your church? How about getting excited about Jesus? How about getting excited about soul winning? How about getting excited about doing something for God? Amen. You say, well, God, you may be seated. You say, God can't use me. I may have told this in, uh, in a meeting where I've been with some of you. I'll tell it again. And I'll just tell it very briefly. That day, a few years ago, Brother Ken Bow came by our church and, and uh, he talked to us about church cards, which we'd already always done. Now then, the last six years, we passed out over 750,000 church cards. That's from our secretary. I was thinking it was five to 600,000. I had her look back on the books the other day and she said, Pastor, since Brother Bow was here and challenged us to use church cards, one a day vitamins, pass out one card every day, one a day vitamin, one a day vitamins. We challenged our whole church to do it every week we don't wait for them to pick up the cards we pass them out every Tuesday night we go right where you are we buttonhole people we want you to be a soul winner hallelujah let me tell you young person you can be a soul winner this is youth conference I said you can be a soul winner your youth group can double next year I'm not a prophet, not the son of a prophet, but I'm here to tell you that your youth group can grow. It can increase. You can have the power of God. You can have God's anointing. You can reach the lost. Your altars can be filled. Your baptistry can be active. Amen. One of our teenage boys passed out a church card one night at McDonald's. And he went through the driveway and he said, I'd like to invite you to church. Young man was standing there about 17 years old. He took the church card and he said, hold on just a minute. He said, your number five or six, I believe it was six, that's been through here in the last hour that's passed me one of these cards. What's going on at that church? Amen. He said, why don't you come and see? He came the next night, was baptized, and got the Holy Ghost, and he's still living for God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was, a, there was a lady that was going through the line at Walmart. Walmart, our f- favorite Pentecostal shopping headquarters. Walmart, praise God. Brother Bob McCool, West Memphis, Arkansas, said one time that it came a tornado over in West Memphis and blew the roof off of Walmart and left 300 women homeless. <laughs> praise God. But he said, when I die, I want to get buried in the parking lot of Walmart. And that way my wife will come by my, my grave every day. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. One of our ladies went into Walmart and she handed a lady a card and there was a line of people behind her and the lady stopped and started crying. Tears literally flowing down her cheeks and, and the saint in our church said, and she's a wonderful person. She's still there tonight. She said, I'm sorry if I offended you. She said, no ma'am, you didn't offend me. But you're th-. And she p- reached over and picked them up. I've got 13 cards today from that church. What's going on over there? She didn't. She said, I got to work this coming Sunday, but Sunday week I'll come. Sunday week she came. She got baptized. She got the Holy Ghost. Her two teenagers got baptized. They got the Holy Ghost. What are you going to do with your from here on? Amen. There's something everybody can do. I said there's something everybody can do. I said there's something everybody can do. Don't wait for the pastor to do it all. Don't wait for the preacher to do it all. Don't wait for the youth leader to do it all. We need total involvement. Total involvement from here on. Maybe seated. Pick up your pen, David. You can write again from here on. Pick up your Bible, Peter. You're going to preach again. Amen. Pick up your rod, Moses. You're going to lead again. Because from here on, it's going to be better than from here past. Oh, hallelujah. Peter denied the Lord. You know the story. He denied the faith. He denied the church. They said you were one of them. And he said, I was not. They said you were there. And he said, I was not. And he cursed to prove it. But I want to tell you, even his cursing didn't prove it. Praise God. Once you've been around Jesus, you can't even curse good. Praise God. You know what they said? We don't believe that. Your speech betrays you. Oh, hallelujah. You've got the Galilean accent. There's something about you, sir. There's something different about you. Once you've had the Holy Ghost, you can't even cuss good. Once you've had the Holy Ghost, you can't hold that cigarette right. You don't even know how to hold it. Once you've had the Holy Ghost, your hand don't, a a can of beer don't even fit in your hand. Come on, young people. Once you've been redeemed and washed in the blood, you're changed. You're different. You're a new creature. You've got Jesus in you. Hallelujah. Peter denied the Lord. But about... About 50 days later or so, I see a man standing up there, and he starts to preach. And he said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Somebody punched somebody back in the crowd and said, isn't that Simon Peter? Yeah. Wasn't he the fellow that was just cursing 50 days ago? Yeah. Wasn't he the fellow that said, I don't even know him? Yeah. Wasn't he the man... That was warming at the wrong fire with the wrong people. Let me tell you, when you start running with the wrong crowd, you're going to get in trouble. Young people, you better run with the right crowd. I'd rather go home. And when I was a teenager and got the Holy Ghost at 15, I'd rather go home on Sunday afternoon or in the night and just be alone in my house or with my parents than to be out with some questionable people and some of them who claim the Holy Ghost. Are you listening tonight? 
Everybody that claims Holy Ghost is not a good influence. Everybody that claims Holy Ghost is not a good person to run with. Praise God, the people I'm going to associate with, I want to know, are they genuine? Are they sincere? Do they leave a Holy Ghost service and turn on rock music? If they are, I don't run with them. If they're gossiping about the pastor, I don't run with them. If they're putting down the standards of the church, I don't run with them. If they're tearing down the youth leader, I don't run with them. I want to run with the right crowd. Yeah, that's the same fella that was running with the wrong crowd, warming to the wrong fire and saying the wrong things, denying Jesus. But I heard him say, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 3,000 souls came to God that day. If you failed yesterday, you can succeed tomorrow. Your from here on is better than from your here past. Hallelujah. You failed in your past. You can succeed in your future. Don't let the past wreck your future. Hey, Jonah, you refused to go to Nineveh. You spent three days in the belly of the fish, in the belly of the whale. But I read in chapter 2 where God said, go down to Nineveh, and you didn't go. But in chapter 3, I read where it said, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I'm glad tonight that I've had a second time God. Everybody in all of our churches have not always been perfect, but we've always got a wonderful, kind, and loving Heavenly Father that says, I'll pick you up, I'll brush you off, I'll put you back in service. Praise God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I'm here tonight as a second time voice to tell somebody, you messed up, you made a mess of your life, but God is speaking to you the second time. Amen. We serve a second time God. We serve a second chance God. And in his from here on, Jonah had a greater revival than he had in his from here past. I said he had a greater revival. David, what's your situation, fella? Aren't you a man after God's own heart? Aren't you the sweet psalmist of Israel? Aren't you the one that plays on your harp to Saul? Aren't you the one that writes Psalms? Hallelujah. Let me tell you that after Psalms 51, after David messed up with Bathsheba, and brother, did he ever mess up? He messed up big time. But I'm going to tell you that David wrote his best Psalms in his from here on than he did in his here pa- in the past. Hallelujah. Amen. I can hear him say in Psalms chapter 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Can you pray? Can you talk to God? Can you find an altar? Can you weep in his presence? Can you say, God, I'm sorry. When you sin, don't just come to God and try to smooth it over. Don't try to shout your way over sin. You can't do it. The best thing to do is say, God, I'm confessing my sins. Here I am tonight. I'm confessing my sin. 
I'm not going to dodge it. I'm not going to bypass it. I'm not going to try to circumvent it. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to stay here until mercy and pardon and forgiveness through the love of God flows in my heart. What are you saying, David? Hey, hey, he committed adultery. He had a man sent to the front line in battle and killed to cover his sin. And in his from here on, David wrote his best psalms. Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew in me a right spirit. Purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean and wash me that I shall be whiter than snow. Oh, what are you doing, David? I'm repenting of my past, but I'm going to have the future. I'm not going to lay down and quit. I'm not going to just roll over and die. I'm not going to stop doing anything for God. I'm asking God to help me. I'm asking God to forgive me. I'm asking God to renew me. I'm asking God to restore me. I'm asking God to give me power and strength that it won't happen again. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. I was shaped in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Hallelujah. Purge me. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Hallelujah. Create me a clean heart. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. What are you doing, David? I'm making sure I've got it from here on. Hallelujah. I messed up in my past. I'm big enough to admit it. I'm man enough to confess it. God's caught up with me and I'm going to confess it. But praise God, I'm ensuring the fact that I'm going to have a future with God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hey Moses, you killed a man, didn't you? Yeah. Buried him in the sand. Spent 40 years on the backside of a desert. Do you think God can ever use you? But from here on, Moses had his best years. Hallelujah. What are you saying, Brother Good? Are you saying it's all right to sin, not on your life? But I'm saying that when you do something you shouldn't have done, and you go somewhere you shouldn't have gone, and you watch something you shouldn't have watched, and you heard something you shouldn't have heard, and you looked at something you shouldn't have looked at, and you committed a sin that never should have taken place, I'm saying that if you've got enough grace to fall on your knees and cry out to God and beg God for mercy, I'm saying that God can pick you up and restore you. My God, I feel it here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, I'd like to burn some bridges. When you repented, God already burned them. Hallelujah. 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 You say, I- I'd like for God to take the sin away from my record. And God's saying, what sins are you talking about? Because when God forgives, then God forgets. And God don't come back 30 days from now and throw it in your face and remind you. Hallelujah. You ask me why I'm happy. I'll tell you why. My sins are gone. They're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what? When you come to God in repentance, you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified. I don't have time to talk about all of that. But brother, when you get washed and when you get sanctified 
And when you get purified and when you get justified, something great happens. Hallelujah. Those sins of the past, you don't have to keep coming. I had a young man come to the altar every Sunday night. He was the first one there and he's baptized, had the Holy Ghost. And finally I said, son, why are you come to the altar? He said, about three months ago, I did something I shouldn't have done. I said, have you repented? He said, yes. I said, are you truly sorry? He said, yes. I said, have you changed? He said, yes. I said, then quit coming back up here every Sunday night and asking God to forgive you. You don't have to repeat the process. Brother, when you come to God and you're sincere and you're honest and you pray, then God will forgive you. Is adultery a sin? Yes, it is. But I've seen God forgive adultery. Is fornication a sin? Yes, it is. But I've seen God forgive fornication. But he don't forgive it while you stay in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk plain right now, but not as plain as they do in the third grade. Third and fourth grade talks plainer than I'm fixing to talk right now. Now I'm going to tell you, homosexuality is still a sin. Are you listening? I don't care what your teacher said or what your school said. It is a sin. It's not an alternate lifestyle. It is a sin. Hallelujah. Can God forgive you? Yes, he can. But when he does, you'll come out of that life. You'll come out of that world. You'll come out of that lifestyle. Praise God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. When God forgives your adultery, don't go back to it. When he forgives your fornication, don't go back to it. When he forgives your homosexuality, don't go back to it. Whom the Son made free is free indeed. You may be seated. Uh, I preached one time in a certain state, somewhere between the North and South Pole. And it was in a certain city in that state. And uh, I got there the first night. Asked me, Brother Pixler, to preach three nights. I said, all right. So I preached first night. I had about 150 people there, a great crowd. Building seat about 500, had a balcony. And nice. And, and I, I gave it all a call. And about 12, 15 people came to the altar. And I promise you that not one saint, young or old, got within 15 feet of those that were praying. They act like they had leprosy or something. They act like they're going to get contaminated with their sins. Where I came from, if somebody comes to the altar to pray, somebody ought to come pray with them. If a sinner has a penitent heart and comes to repent, somebody ought to pray with them. If a backslider wants to get right with God, the church ought not stand back and just eyeball them and look at them. Somebody needs to pray with them. Pastor just stood up on the platform and said, oh, God, oh, God. Here's people in the altar praying, trying to find forgiveness of sin. Nobody would pray with them. And I thought, how disgusting. Here I am. I'm busy. And I'm, I'm here for three days. I'm going to put up three nights of this. So the second night, I went with the NC, and I gave an altar call. And about 160 or 70 people there, and about 10 or 12, 15 came to the altar. And nobody got close to them. And I did something I've never done before or, or since. But I just, you know. Acted on the impulse. I turned around to the pastor. I said, I'm going home in the morning. I was fair you well upset. I wasn't mad. I was just upset. You understand? Righteous indignation. You understand what I'm talking about? He said, you can't go home tomorrow. I said, you watch me. I said, you don't owe me a dime. 
I'll pay my own plane fare just to get out of this place. He said, we got a rally here tomorrow night. This building's going to be full. There's going to be 500 people more. I said, I'm not preaching for the crowd. you got plenty of crowd here already. i built home missing churches. Every church I've ever pastored, I started from zero. I can preach to one or five. It don't bother me. You've got a big crowd here, but you don't have a burden. And this church don't have a burden. And I'm not staying. I'm not wasting my time. Hallelujah. Maybe he's seated. He went, he said, would you go back to the office and talk to me? I said, yeah. We went back to the office. When we came out an hour and something later, everybody was gone. Boy, it didn't take people long to bail out of that church. I mean, they, they got out of there in five minutes. When we came out, there was nobody there. But I got back in the altar and big tears started flowing down his cheeks. He said, you're right, brother. Go there. This church is full of sin. He said, I've got five couples on the platform right now that I know that's committing adultery. I said, well, why in God's name aren't you dealing with it? He said, I'm afraid to deal with it. I said, then you'll let somebody else pastor this church. All right. You say that's, that's bad. I'm telling you, somebody's got to deal with it. Somebody, you ought to thank God you got a pastor that preaches and stands for what's right. Hallelujah. He said, I got five couples that I know of on the platform in leadership that's committing adultery. And he said, I've got wife swapping that's going on in this church, and I know it. But he said, it's key members, and I'm afraid I'll bust the whole thing up. I said, you know what the best thing that ever happened in this church? It just absolutely bust apart and start all over again. Now... I'm not preaching much like a youth convention right now, but I'm just kind of sidetracked here. I'm going to chase a rabbit here a little bit. Praise God. In Malden, Missouri, we got up to 90 one time. And, and to make a long story short, man caused us trouble. We went back to 20, and it hurts to have 20 when you've had 90. Been there and done that. Yeah. It hurts to go see 20 count kids and all when you've been averaging 90. And one man looked at me, and he said, this church is going to, Put a pad, you're going to put a padlock on the door. He said, I'm leaving, and when I leave, you're going to put a padlock on the door. And I looked at him, and I, I didn't feel half as brave as I sounded. But I said, it's a good time for us to find out whether this church is mine or God's. I said, if it's my church, it needs to fold up. But I said, let me tell you something, sir. If it's God's church, your leaving won't stop it. Hallelujah. And he left. And you may be see. And Brother Johnson, for several Sundays, he seemed like a true prophet. We had 20. Then we had 18. And on Thursday night, we had four after having 90. My wife said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to preach and pray and seek God. That's what we're going to do. Praise God. I could tell you about God bringing a little lady into church. I could tell you about her winning a family of 10, a family of four. And, and her, she personally won a Presbyterian pastor. And he resigned his church and came to our church. And the first week he was there, his wife said, when I get up in the morning, I can't put my jeans on like I have been. I've never heard it preached about. Is there something wrong with me putting pants on, jeans on? I said, yeah, that was the Holy Ghost talking to you. 
Hallelujah. Here's a Presbyterian preacher's wife. Never has heard anything preached about. And in three days for the Holy Ghost, she's pulling her jeans off and saying, I don't feel right. Then we got some apostolics that's wanting to put them back on. God have mercy. God help us. We need women to wear dresses and men to wear the pants. We need women with long hair and men with short hair. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. If a Presbyterian preacher's wife can get rid of her pantsuits, why can't people that's heard this 50 times or 100 times leave it alone? My God in heaven. We don't need the world. We don't need to look like the world. We don't need to act like the world. We don't need to smell like the world. We don't need to talk like the world. We're God's people. Young people, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. I don't care what they do at the other church. Don't go back. I don't care what the other church does. They may wear their, ladies may wear their pants and their jewelry and paint their face. And they may get their TV and brag to you about it. One couple left our church a couple of years ago. Called some of our young people back. They're in another state now. Well, you can't believe how we've been delivered. I would never come back to Durham. Young man told me that at the, at the retreat while Brother Pix was there. Called me aside. Said, this young man called me. Said, I'd never come back to Durham. Said, we get to go to the big league ball games now. And we get to go to the football games. And we get to have television. We never could do that in Durham. They could have done it in Durham. They just couldn't have been a part of our church and do it. And when the young man told me that at a retreat two or three weeks ago when Brother Pitts was there, I said, will you tell him something for me? He said, he'd been calling me. I said, the next time he calls you, you tell him from me that I don't want them back. You say, Brother Godard, you're being mean-spirited. You can call it what you want to, but I don't want that spirit in my church. I don't want a spirit that goes to the football game, the basketball game, the baseball game, the ice hockey game. I don't want it from high school to pro. I don't want it. I don't want to be a part of it. Praise God. God saved me out of that world. I'm not going back. Praise God. I've got a future from here on. Now, here's what I was going to talk about before I got sidetracked. That the third graders and fourth graders know more about than adults. Young people in our churches, unmarried young people in our churches, some of them, a few of them, hopefully not many of them, are performing oral sex with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. And they say, I'm still a virgin. And I say, uh uh-uh. Let me tell you young men something. If you're having oral sex with your girlfriend, and girl, if you're having oral sex with your boyfriend, you're not right, you're not honest, you're not full of the Spirit, you're not a virgin, you need to get right with God and let your from here on be blessed of God. 
They say it's not fornication. I say it's a sin. I say it's a sin. Bless God. As long as I got a voice, I'm going to shout it. It's a sin. I don't care who does it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. But if the young people commit fornication, let them do what they will. You can't control them, but you can control what you do. Don't become a fornicator. Don't commit those sins. Don't be a part of it. If your boyfriend says, I'll quit you if you don't do this, then tell him to get down the road somewhere. Tell him to go get lost. Hallelujah. You may be seated. When you go on a date, you ought to put the Bible between you and that boyfriend. And and dare him to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to you. Hallelujah. I dare you to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to try to commit sin with me. You're not going to do it. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I got to quit. We got to lock in here. All of us young people got to lock in here tonight. I got to quit. But I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Hallelujah. While you're locking in wherever, I'm going to be locked in my bedroom go to sleep. But bless God, I feel like the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody tonight. And God saying, I'll help you, I'll bless you, I'll forgive you, I'll wash you, I'll cleanse you, I'll give you a great from here on. Hallelujah. You say, I can't live for God. I can't lose for winning. I can't fail for succeeding. I can't go under for going over. I can't stay down for getting up. I can't be sad for being glad. I can't sink for swimming. I can't stay behind for forging ahead. I'm telling you, it's time that young people begin to think in the Holy Ghost. I'm a child of God. I'm special. God loves me. God's got an anointing on my life. My Lord, hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Glory. We need to send hell a message tonight. We need to send the devil a message tonight. Get off of my back, devil. I'm tired of you riding my back. I'm tired of battling you every day of my life. I want victory. I want overcoming power. I want a fresh anointing. I want fresh oil. Hallelujah. I'm destined for victory. God's on my side. Y'all will preach old man to death. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I'm feeling the Holy Ghost tonight. I've got it from here on. What are you going to do with your from here on? Forget the past. It's from here on that counts. Maybe see. 
police officer pulled over a lady for speeding. She's driving 95 in a 55 zone. Everybody say, that's bad. The officer came up to her and said, ma'am, could I see your license? She said, I don't have one. I had a DUI six months ago, and I don't have a license. He said, let me see your registration. She said, I don't have a registration. This car is stolen. I'm going to get in trouble. Might as well get in trouble big time. And she said, the man I stole it from is in the trunk right now. He stepped back about 20 feet and, and dialed for help. Here came the officer that was a superior to him. And he said, I'll step back. He said, you take care of it. He walked up there and he said, ma'am, let me see your license. She said, okay, pull him out, hand him to him. The other officer standing out there just looking. <laughs> he said, let me see your registration. He said, sure, got it right here. Hand it to him. He said, you mean you got, you got, he let me see your trunk. She popped the button, opened the trunk, nothing but a spare tire there. He came back to her and he said, that other officer told me that you didn't have a license, that you didn't have a registration, and you had a man locked in the trunk. She said, yeah, and that liar probably told you I was speeding too, didn't he? If you're going to get out of something, you might as well just get out of it. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I think it's time for the devil to say, devil, you've talked to me long enough. You've lied to me. You've deceived me. You've pushed me down. But I'm not staying down. I'm getting up tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Jones, if you'd come to the keyboard, it might be seated for a moment and and just start playing real softly. And like you said, somebody said today, what, is it, what does it mean when the preacher says, and finally, it don't mean nothing? What does it mean when the pastor looks at his watch? It don't mean a thing. Glory to God. But I read the story. It's not a true story, as you'll know. But it's a story that illustrates a point. I read it in a magazine. Once upon a time, there was a young donkey that was asking his grandpa, how do I grow up to be just like you? The older donkey said, that's very simple. All you have to do is remember to shake it off and step up. He said, I don't understand. What do you mean? Grand grandpa donkey said, let me tell you a story. He said, when I was your age, I was out walking. I wasn't paying attention. I fell into an old abandoned well. He said, I started braying and braying, not praying, but braying and braying. Finally, an old farmer came by and he saw me. He said, I was scared to death. Then he left and, and he stayed gone all that night. And he came back the next morning and he had some men with him. They looked down in that well and they saw me and they were laughing. And they had some, they had some shovels in their hands. And the old farmer said, that old abandoned well isn't worth anything and that donkey isn't worth saving so let's get to work and he said believe it or not they started to shove dirt into that well on top of me and he said to the young donkey let me tell you what I did I panicked I was going to be buried alive he said after the first few shovels full of dirt came down on me I realized something that every time dirt landed on my back I could shake it off and step up he said and they kept shoveling and I kept shaking it off and stepping it up 
And he said, this went on for quite a while. He said, shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. I kept repeating to myself for encouragement. He said, I fought panic by shaking it off and stepping up. And it wasn't long till I shook it off and I stepped out. And I stepped out of that well. And I was exhausted but triumphant. Hallelujah. So no matter how difficult your situation is, no matter how things bad, how bad things get, no matter how much dirt gets dumped on you, just remember to shake it off and step up and God will give you the victory. Let's all stand and let's clap our hands. Let's shout to God with the voice of triumph. Let's shout to God with the voice of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say, I've got a future. I've got a destiny. I've got a hope. I've got victory. I've got Jesus. I've got deliverance. I've got it from here on. John Mark turned his back on Paul wouldn't go on the missionary journey later on he was used of God and Paul writes to Timothy and said bring Mark with me when you come hey Mark you kind of messed up old boy but I believe you've got it from here on he took a pen and wrote a book Paul was Saul of Tarsus. He murdered Christians. But in Acts 9, he met the master. Then he started churches at Lystria and Iconium and Derby and Philippi and Corinth and Thessalonica and Colossia. He preached from Europe to Rome. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, you've got to decide. I've got a future. Hallelujah. I've got a future. Hey, Jacob. You stole your birthright from Esau. You spent 20 years outside of God's will. But you need to come back to Bethel, Jacob. Come back to where you first met God. Am I preaching to some young person tonight that needs to come back to Bethel? Back to that experience, that first Holy Ghost anointing when the sweetness of the Holy Spirit filled your life. Back to Bethel I must go. Back where the rivers of pure waters flow. Back to the joy life my soul longs to know. Bethel is calling and I must go. Back to Bethel. Jacob, you wasted 20 years of your life. You wrestled with an angel at Jabbok. You became a prince of God. You, you, you went from being Jacob to Israel. You got a nation named after you. You spent 20 years out of the will of God. Somebody here tonight can say, I've wasted my life. So did Jacob. Somebody can say, I denied the Lord. So did Peter. Somebody can say, I've been immoral. So was David. Somebody said, I killed a man. So did Moses. Somebody said, I disobeyed God. So did Jonah. What are you going to do about you from here on? What are you going to do about you from here on? I feel a, a marvelous love of God in this place tonight. Could we within the ocean fill and were the sky of parchment made and every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe betrayed to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry or could the whole contain the scroll though stretched from sky to sky you know who wrote that that was written by a patient in an insane asylum somebody wrote a song about it but it was first written by a deranged mind of a man in an insane institution Why did he love me so? 
Why would the Savior to Calvary go? Why would he love me so? Gomer, you got away from your husband. You sold your body. You've been a disgrace to your children, your husband. You're going to be sold as a slave, Gomer. Nobody wants you now. When the devil's through with you, he'll throw you away like an old dirty sock. But Hosea's there representing the love of God and saying, I'll take her. I'll take her. You know what, Gomer? You're going to have her from here on. Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, you had seven devils. But you became one of the most faithful followers of Jesus. You've got it from here on. Matthew, you were a crooked tax collector, but life changed for you, sir. You've got it from here on now. Every time, Brother Calhoun, that I think about the mercy of God upon my life, it makes me want to bow in contrition and weeping. Oh, God. You didn't have to love me. You didn't have to care for me. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like him. No one else could take my sin and sorrow from me. Sister Jones, would you please sing that right now? I'm here to tell somebody that's down, you're out, you're discouraged. Somebody that the devil's made you think. You're no good. You can't be used. You have no talent like others. You can't do what others can do. All you can do is sit on a church pew. You'll never be used of God. I'm here to tell you. You've got it from here on. Peter, from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. Somebody ought to come and pray with us tonight. Somebody ought to walk up to this altar. Get beneath the cross where red blood